Okay, so a little history. Um, in 2006, um, Margaret and I were um, in the real estate business and we were going to the big CBC and we were leading a life group and teaching three-year-olds, which turned out to be excellent preparation for this. Uh, and one day, the pastor from CBC asked me to go to lunch, which is a pretty big deal, you know, that big old giant church. And so, okay, yeah, I'll go to lunch. And so he said during lunch, hey, Larry, how would you like to be a multi-site pastor? And I said, yeah, I would love to be a multi-site pastor. What is a multi-site <laughs> pastor? And so he said, well, we're going to do this thing with these videos. We're going to use video of, of, of Robert's preaching down there, but we're going to take him out to the different communities and all that stuff. And so, you know, you would just, like, put the chairs out and that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do that for sure. And so it was really exciting. A couple of months after that, um, we had our first service, and there were probably, we think, like 80 people there. And about 40 or 50 of those were just like friends of ours that just wanted <laughs> just to show some support, you know. Or just wanted to make sure somebody was going to show up for this weird video church in a tent. And so, yeah, um, we started in a tent um, behind, you know, Chick's um, Meat Market down the street. That used to be the Loft Coffee Shop. And we started off in a tent behind there. And, man, it was awesome. Uh, you can imagine the sound, you know, how we can hear the trucks going by in here. Imagine if we were in a tent, right? We couldn't hear the music, we couldn't hear the preaching, but we heard every stinking car that drove by there. And we were using video for our preaching, and so I bought the tent material, and we didn't have any money, so I bought like this super thin white tent material, so it was like daylight in there. So you couldn't see the video at all. Uh, and I'd always tell Robert, wear a dark shirt so we can at least see you move by, you know. <laughs> Nothing. It was, it was different. And um, outside, it was like it was a tent. So it was like the worst part about being outside and the worst part about being inside. So it was really like if it was hot outside, and it was hot inside. And if it was cold, then it was cold inside, and it was like hot and cold because we put those propane heaters in there, which don't do that. Uh, so if you sit next to one, you're like melting. Right, and then the person three seats over from you is shivering, and so we would have to like rotate, you know, just see everybody would scoot over and then go back to the front of the row, and all through the service, people are like changing places and stuff, so the tent was cool. We had animals coming in and going out. We had a cat that would come in. We'd, like, the podium or whatever was a speaker, and this cat would come in and jump up on the speaker and give himself a bath every week right in front of God and everybody, and. I say he because we were quite sure it was a male uh, from watching the bath. So anyway, you know, that was, that was a thing. And here's what was neat, though, right? Uh, the crummiest of all possible buildings. What could be worse, right? And the crummiest of all possible pastors, really. I mean, no, nothing. I mean, we're teaching three-year-olds. And yet, um, everybody pitched in. And we learned something, I think, really important, and that is that God does amazing stuff through humble, willing people. And then after that, we moved across the street, over there kind of where Walmart is now, and there was a building, we called it the shoebox. It was kind of like our portable buildings that we have out here right now, only not that nice, and man, 
Nothing worked in that building. We had it for like two hours. We had to bring all our stuff in and have our church and get our stuff out. And like nothing worked, man. There was electrical problems you can't believe in there. Like almost every week somebody would get shocked and we would just say, no, it's the Holy Spirit. It's okay. It's, it's, good. it's a good thing. Uh, so we, we had heavy insurance in those days. So uh, yeah, in the bathrooms, like we had plumbing issues. Um, so we had like a limited numbers of flushes per week. And so that caused some issues. So the shoebox was awesome. But again, what we learned was that regardless of the facility, right, that God does amazing things through humble, willing people. And then in 2010, I think, we moved into this building. And this building seemed so huge, man. We had one service, and it was about a third full. And it's, it's, it's getting small now. Um, we built this building to accommodate about 300 people in a service. And last week, we had 800 people in two services. So it's getting smaller now. Um, and, you know, we're still having bathroom capacity problems. Um, and I'm not sure what that says about us as a people. <laughs> but I know what it says about God, and that is this lesson that he keeps showing us that God does amazing things through humble, willing people. And, yeah, over 16 years, we've had some amazing successes, and we have had some epic failures and ups and downs. But, you know, we said in the beginning, we've loved Jesus, and we love each other, and we've stayed focused on, I think, what we set out to do. Because from day one, we said, we're going to reach people, teach people, and help people in Jesus' name. And that became like our mission statement, right? Reaching, teaching, and helping people in Jesus' names. And so it's been 16 years. So lots of times we've thought about coming up with a cooler mission statement than that. Um, and like, I, you know what Starbucks mission statement is? Listen how, listen how cool this is. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. And I don't love Starbucks, but what a cool mission statement, huh? Um, do you know what Nike's mission statement is? Um, to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Isn't that pretty? It's like, I just want to buy some shoes when I hear that. And so I thought about like some really cool ones for us. You know, over 16 years, words have come and gone. And so I was going to use like the really hip words. Here's one I thought about was CBCB, preaching a paradigm of peace to leverage the gospel towards a synergetic experience of what it is to be truly human. Isn't that awesome? It just like leaps off a t-shirt, you know? Uh, Community Bible Church, here's a good one. Bringing inspiration through perspiration and sanctification through emulsification. You know what that means? It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just, it's just words. And so we thought about going to cooler words and then we just keep coming back to this idea of reaching and teaching and helping people in Jesus' name. So do you know where that comes from? It's actually, if you're reading through Matthew with us, you've probably read it in the last couple of weeks. Here it is. It's Matthew 9, and this is Jesus, man. He's just, he's preached the Sermon on the Mount, this, this thing we've been into for the last several weeks, and here's what it says. This is Matthew 9, 35. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease 
and illness. So what's he doing, man? He's, he's reaching people in the synagogue, and he's going town to town. He's going where the people are. He's reaching people, and he's teaching people about the value and the power of God's word and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And Jesus was an amazing teacher. He was like the opposite of the Pharisees, the religious teachers of that day, because what they really liked to do was make it hard to understand, and so that way they could kind of keep the club exclusive, right? But Jesus did the opposite of that. He made God's word simple, and he made it understandable, and he made it applicable to everybody's life. So he was reaching, and he was teaching, and he was helping people. It says he healed every kind of disease and every kind of illness. So that's physical and relational and spiritual and mental. Jesus was opening eyes and, and, and healing lepers and casting out demons and raising the dead. He had compassion on hurting people, and, and he helped them. That's, that's what he came to do. That's what Jesus came to do, to reach and teach and help people. He was the Spirit of God in the body of Jesus, right? That's who he was, isn't it? Jesus was the Spirit of God in the body of Jesus, and so God was reaching and teaching and helping people through the body of Jesus. And then his body was killed, and his body resurrected, and his body ascended to be with the Father, and now, here's the weird part, now we're the body, right? We are the body of Christ, and this is all through the New Testament. Uh, Romans 12, 4 says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So now, this is, we say this, but this is a really profound thing to like wrap your head around. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And, and we are continuing his work here on earth, which was what? Reaching, teaching, and helping people in his name. And so for us, just like with Jesus, um, reaching people means, it means bringing them here to the synagogue, right? Bringing them to the church, but it also means going where the people are that are near us and that are far from us and that are around the world from us and teaching to us just like Jesus. It means telling people the good news about God's kingdom and it means explaining God's word in a way that makes sense to people and in a way that applies to people's real lives and helping for us uh, like Jesus means we're aware that people are hurting and, and need healing and need help, all kinds of help, right? Physical and mental and spiritual and relational and emotional and practical. And Jesus is working through us, through his body, same thing, right? Spirit of God working through the body of Christ. And it's him working through us to bring healing and help to people in this community, but then also all over. So just like Jesus, we're reaching people here in church and also out in the world. And I think how we're doing it in church is easier to see. Like, just a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever been to a church service here? <laughs> it's almost everybody. Um, so maybe some of you will get a chance later. But you, you've seen, like, what, what we do, you know, here and how we do it in-house. We worship together, and we pray for each other, and we serve each other, and we welcome new people, and we preach the gospel, and we have support groups like Al-Anon and, and, and Grief Share, and we do Bible studies and life groups, and we distribute groceries to families in our community, and we serve each other, and we give our blood, and we share our stuff, and we introduce people to Jesus, and we disciple people to follow Jesus. Um, so far this year, I think we figured out we've baptized 42 people in this church. So that's some cool, yeah, you can clap for that. 
So, yeah, just, just like Jesus reached people in the synagogue, we're reaching people here at CBCB, and a lot of that outreach is in-house. And that's why we make such a big deal out of inviting, inviting people to church, and that's why we try so hard to make people feel um, welcome and comfortable here, and that's why we work so hard to be a church where unchurched people feel safe and feel welcome and feel comfortable. It's an in-house outreach. And lots of people have come to know and follow Jesus in a service here or in a, through a ministry in this church. So I think the in-house stuff is kind of easier to see. So today, just, I don't know, like a little report, right? I just kind of want to give you, um, I just want to tell you about some of the ways that we're reaching and teaching and helping people outside of the church, right? If you were here last week, you saw people baptized. I mean, you saw it, right? You see what's happening in our life groups. You're here to experience our worship. And so just to give you an idea of some of the stuff, because remember, Jesus didn't just reach and teach and help people in his synagogue, in his hometown. It said he went through all the villages and towns. So he went, he went where the people were, and that's what we want to do. And this, I think, is a little bit unique for us. That is that we've developed kind of a different strategy. If we're trying to reach and teach and help people outside of this building, we've come up with a little bit of a different strategy to do it. And it's all about this thing of the body of Christ. You can probably tell I'm a little obsessed with that idea. But a long time ago, we kind of figured out that these New Testament authors knew what they were talking about. Um, the body of Christ works best when everybody does their part. Right? When every part of the body does its part. If you've ever had part of your body not working, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's no good. Um, the body of Christ works best when everybody is doing their part. And so just like you're part of this little church body and I'm part of this little church body, also CBCB is part of the worldwide body of Christ. And so we do a lot of reaching and teaching and helping in partnerships with other ministries. And what we have found is that's just a lot more effective than us trying to do everything on our own. And so here's, here's where we learned that. Several years ago, um, we kind of started thinking, you know, we're not uh, a mission anymore. You know, we're not an outreach anymore. We're a church now. We need to do mission work, right? We need to have outreach. And so I went with this group of people um, to Honduras. And I preached in like five different churches in five days. And I prayed with the pastors. And we passed out um, beans and rice and flip-flops, and we worked on a pastor's house and did a bunch of stuff like that. And that was, that was good. It was all good. It was, it was, that was a really good, good thing to do. But then I went home. And that was like the end of our impact for the kingdom in Honduras. So it was good. It was good. Oh, those are some awesome messages. I wish Joy could have heard them. They were sweet. <laughs> So I preached some brilliant messages in Honduras. I'm good in Spanish. Uh, so th that was good. That's good that we did that for that week. And it was good that I got to minister to those pastors and those people for that week. And it was good that we passed out all those shoes and food. And that was good, 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 good stuff. But it was just for that week. You know, and those beans are gone now, right? And those shoes are gone now. And they don't remember anything I said anymore. And so... A few years ago, we started working through a ministry that we're doing in partnership. And so it's a ministry called Mission India. And if you don't know this, India is probably the darkest country uh, on earth. Um, of all the people groups on planet earth that don't know Jesus, a third of them, a third of the people in the world that have never heard of Jesus live in the country of India. And it is 
I mean, poverty and hunger and disease are rampant there. About half of Indian adults, about a third of Indian adults are illiterate. They can't read, they can't count. So you can imagine where things are going for them. So there's big, big, big challenges uh, in India. It's, it's, it's a dark, dark, dark place. And if we want to shine the light of Jesus there, if we want to reach and teach and help people there, um, you know, we could do a few things. I could go over there and preach for a week. That'd be cool, right? We could take some beans and some rice and we could build a house for somebody and we could take shoes to them and that would be great and that would be awesome and that would be kind of temporary. So instead, what we've done is um, we've partnered with them to plant churches there. And so these churches that are being planted in India are reaching, teaching, and helping people not just this week, right, but for always. And they're doing the same things we're doing. So they're preaching and they're worshiping and they've got a grocery distribution program and they've got a program for widows and they've got Bible studies for the kids and they've got literacy classes for the adults and all those things didn't just last a week. They didn't just make a big splash and then they're gone. They're, they're going still today. So we have about 112 churches on the ground in India. 112 churches that were planted by church planters that this church sent. There's 112 churches over there. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have come to know Jesus there. Way more people have gotten saved through churches in India that this church planted than are ever gonna be saved in this church. Way more people have gotten baptized there than will ever be baptized in this church because of these things that we've done. Now here's the question. Could we have just sent a mission team to India for two weeks? Yeah, we could do that. That's a good thing to do. That's a great thing to do. Could I have gone over there and preached and taken the worship team with me to lead worship and stuff in those churches or in some place that we would rent or whatever? Yeah, we, we, we could have done that, but we're just so much more effective partnering with this other body part. And I think I'm, this, this thing of the body parts is just an amazing thing, right? It's like they're an important part of the body of Christ. We're an important part of the body of Christ. Let's help them do what they're really good at instead of us trying to do what they're really good at. And I'm telling you, this partnership model, working with other ministries and other body parts is so much more effective for us. And so, like another example, could we, could we as a church start a ministry to protect and rescue kids from sex trafficking? Could we start a ministry like that? Yes, we definitely could do that, but I think we're much more effective in the partnership that we have with a company called Ransomed Life because that's what they do. That's what they're called to do. That's what they're gifted to do. And we come alongside them and we, we partner with them, just like the, your body parts all work together. And so we're supporting them financially. Um, we're gonna be hosting some events for them here in our building. Uh, Pastor Mike is doing some speaking for them going around and like helping them get their message out. And that's just a way that we're partnering with this other body part to reach and teach and help people in Jesus' name. Um, there's another really great ministry. It's called For Her. And what For Her does is just take the love of Jesus to women in San Antonio that are at high risk for exploitation and abuse. So this is like a lot of teen moms, teen moms. This is like a lot of um, foster kids that are aging out of the system or women that are living in poverty or women that have been victims of domestic or sexual abuse, um, women that have been incarcerated. Um, a lot of these are women who have been trafficked and have now have ended up in the sex industry. So would you agree that it would be a good thing for us to minister to those women? Of course, right? Could we start a ministry like that 
here at this church. We, we could, we could, um, but we're much more effective partnering with this, this group called For Her. So do you see how this, this model works for us to get outside the walls of this church as effectively as we can? The best way to think of this is like a body part. So like For Her is a great ministry. It's a body part. It's a, it's a foot, right, whatever. And the heart is pumping life, right, pumping blood. We're sending resources. We're sending people. We're sending money to these ministries to support them and to pump life into them. It's the same with all of these things that we do. Could we start a Christian foster and adoption agency in this church? Could we do that? Would that be a good thing to do? That'd be a great thing to do. But instead, we partner with One Hope. They are just really good at it. And every month, we help them financially. Um, We're gonna be hosting some events for them. A few weeks ago, we had Orphan Sunday. You guys remember that day? We had Orphan Sunday, and people volunteered to help and all that good stuff. Some people volunteered to help One Hope with their foster care ministry. And the guy told me that that is the most people they have ever signed up to help with their ministry in history. So that's, that's, that's a way that we see what we're doing there. We're partnering with them. They're a part of the body. We're a part of the body, and we're working together with them. Same with CASA. Right, court-appointed special advocates for children, a super important ministry. We support that ministry financially. Um, I've spoken for them at events and at fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, and we have a lot of people here that are CASAs. And on Orphan Sunday, I think we had 20 people sign up to say they might wanna be a CASA. So CASA is our partner, body part, in the body of Christ, um, SJRC. St. Jude's Kids Ranch, I mean, we're doing the same thing. It's a a great ministry that's working with foster kids and we're partnering with them financially. We're doing events with their kids. We have mentors for them. Um, We have people now that are doing their building maintenance and stuff over there. And it's just the body of Christ working together. We're not reinventing their ministry for them. We're not competing with them. They're doing their part and we're doing our part. So this is... This is the model that we've chosen so that we can be as efficient and as effective as we can to reach and teach and help as many people outside of this church as we can. And a lot of the outreach that we do is really um, practical, practical stuff. So like, you know, people need Jesus, right? People need Jesus. But sometimes people are more aware of their other needs than they are of their need for Jesus. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes people, I mean, of course they need Jesus. That's what they really need, right? But they're more aware of the needs that are kind of more in their face. And sometimes it's hard for people to hear the gospel over their stomach growling. Follow me on that? And so we need to practically show the love of Christ to those people before we can effectively tell them about the love of Christ. And again, it's a model of Jesus, right? Do you remember when he did a miracle for Peter and Andrew? You remember the miracle that he did for them when he made them catch all those fish and they were commercial fishermen. It was the most practical thing in the world, right? Jesus did a miracle for them. It wasn't bringing somebody back from the dead. It was helping their business. So that what? So that they could support their families. So another one of our partner ministries is a really cool one. It's called Real Life Vocational Training Institute. And this is a gospel-based job training program that we partner with. And so what they do is they take high-risk, low-income people, um, a lot of them don't speak English, and they train them to do like HVAC repair, um, welding, truck driving, and they get them certified. And all that time that they're doing that, they're discipling those people. And they're praying with those people. And they're, they're pointing them to Jesus the whole time. And so it's like, it's like a little church that is helping these people kind of get off the streets 
and get real jobs so that they can take care of their families. And they, they get their graduate, it's like a little church, and they get their graduation certificate in their church service. And so when it first started, when we first became aware of them, there were like five or six people. And now that it's about 150 people. So it's a really cool, really practical way that we can reach, teach, and help people in Jesus' name. And again, could we reinvent that? Could we start that ourselves? And I, I, mean, I guess we could, and, and that would, it would be good, but why would we? Right? They're, they're part of the body of Christ, and we're, we're helping them. We're, we're pumping blood into them. Remember that verse in Romans that said, we're all part of the same body, and we all belong to each other. So we, we partner with lots of other ministries. Um, Provisions is the local food pantry here, and they're helping people in our community that, that don't have food. A lot of you know about Camp Agape. It's a bereavement camp for children that have lost somebody, and they go to this camp where they're taken care of and loved and encouraged. That's a pretty amazing ministry. Should we start one of those, or should we partner with them? That's, that's the model that we've chosen. Share Center is a, a lo local pregnancy care center, and they give a pro-life perspective, and they give all kinds of amazing tools for parents. Um, we're financially supporting an amazing church plant in downtown San Antonio. Um, I mean, we're okay. Why would we, like, hoard it, right? Let's help them get a church started. Um, First Liberty is a cool ministry that we partner with. It is an association of lawyers. They lobby and fight for, uh, in court for, like, religious freedom things. Um, Sean and Jen Nuccio, a lot of you guys know them. It's an awesome ministry to, like, oppressed women and uh, the street kids in Mombasa, Kenya. So there's, there's just a whole lot more. There's, we, this is how we do it. We're reaching people and we're teaching people and we're helping people in Jesus' name in here, in here, but also outside. And most of what we do outside, we found that we're really effective when we partner with ministries that are doing a great job. And there's a lot more of them. Um, one place if you ever wanna know about them, if you go out in our lobby and turn to the left, there's three TVs on the wall over there and a lot of times they'll be playing a video and it'll be explaining kind of what some of these partner ministries do and how they work. And so that'd be a great way for you to kind of know. I don't know. Today I just, I wanted you to know and get a feel for kind of how we're reaching and teaching and helping people outside the walls of this church. I just think if this is your church, you know, if this is your home, if this is your family, then you should know, you know, what we're up to. So, yeah, for 16 years, we've been reaching and teaching and helping people in Jesus' name, and we've been continuing his work as his body, working with the other body parts, um, both here in this church and also out in the world. And for the next 16 years, I mean, we don't have any intention. I mean, I'll probably be dead, but... We, the church will have continue, you know, there's, there's more of us now. You know, when there, were, when there were 70 of us, I mean, we could do something, but I mean, there's hundreds of us now. And so that's a lot of body parts. And so we should be able to do even more. Um, a lot of people have asked me while I'm giving updates about a building. So if you've been to church here for a while, you know we have some space issues. And so in a church, there's several places that you have space stuff. You have in the sanctuary, and you have classrooms, and then you have parking, right? And so we're, we're over on all of those things. Um, we have a big one also, and that is our septic system, which is overworked and undersized. And again, it's like this tradition of our church for some reason. I don't know what it is about 
<laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, but that's a thing. And so what we're doing now is, man, we want to, from this whole time, we want to be led by the Lord, right? And so we're just asking him and we're being prayerful and thoughtful about what we should do. We're going to do a feasibility study. And a feasibility study means we're just going to take a look at, should we buy land? Should we build a church building? And one of the ways we're going to figure that out is by talking to you. And let's hear what God is telling you about what we should do. And so we're going to be doing some polling and that kind of stuff and just let God speak to us. And we're going to do what he tells us to do. We will, we will max this place out um, between now and then. I mean, we want to be good stewards of what we do have, right? And so we are going to do what we've always done. We're going to, we're going to ring this place out. We are going, we're using, believe me, every square inch in ways that you can't even imagine. A lot of you don't even know this, but a while back we bought smaller chairs for this room. And we got like an extra 70 chairs in this room by going to smaller chairs. And so the next step is either we get smaller chairs again, which would mean we all have to lose some weight, or we do something else. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're, we're, we're planning some facelift stuff to get all we can out of this building. We're going to have a cleanup day pretty soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, and we're going to do some uh, strategic remodeling. We're probably going to add another portable um, for kids' space. Our kids' space is really maxed out. We, last week, I think we had 230 kids in our kids' ministry. So on a given week, about 30% of our attendance is under 11 years old. So that's cool. So eventually, we'll probably have to do a third service, and we're, we're going to do what we've always tried to do. Right? We are going to leverage every tool. We're going to leverage every opportunity as efficiently and as effectively as we can so that we can reach and teach and help people in Jesus' name. So, so what? Right? That's, I mean, every sermon's supposed to have an application. Right? So here, this, this week is like a real, so what are you supposed to do? Right? This is what's happened over the last 16 years. This is the direction we're headed or whatever. What should you do? And I think what you should do is you should acknowledge that you are part of the body of Christ. Everybody that's a believer in Jesus is a part of the body of Christ. You're filled with his spirit and you're gifted and talented and called to do work for the kingdom. And you need to figure out what that work is. Because if you think of your body, every part of your body has an important task to do, right? It's got a job to do. Your heart is pumping blood and your lungs are moving air, right? And your veins and your nerves and your eyelashes, every part of you has an important part to do except the appendix, <laughs> right? And so the appendix doesn't really do anything. It just kind of hangs there. And what happens to appendixes? They shrivel up, right? And they, they, they atrophy and they, they get really gross and, and black and eventually they poison the rest of the body and they have to be cut out and thrown in the trash. So if anybody asks you what was the application for today's sermon, don't be an appendix, right? You have something to contribute to the kingdom, and this is gonna give you a chance to experience what we've been learning since the tent, that God does amazing things through humble, willing people. And there are so many, let me see how much time I got here. Okay, I'm gonna tell you my favorite story. I've told the story a thousand times. I reserve the right to tell this story once a year from the pulpit, okay? So here's my story. I'm talking about the parts of the body, right? And it's easy for us to, oh, well, I see joy in what she does. I can't do that. 
I can't do that, so therefore I have nothing to offer. I can't preach, I can't write, I can't teach, I can't sing. What could I possibly do that would make a difference? I mean, I'm a fingernail, right? Like, what's my, what's, what could I do that even matters? Here's my story. Most of you have heard this story, but I don't care. I love this story. Um, it's a story of my friend Ray Tipton. So at the time of this story, we were meeting in the shoebox, the little building over there. And when I say this building was awful, listen, moving from the tent to that building, arguably an upgrade right? It was a horrible building. It was, we had a dirt parking lot that sloped down to the building, so when it rained, the parking lot came inside, and we would roll up towels and shove them under the door to keep the parking lot from coming inside the church. This was not a good building. Nothing worked. We didn't have a sign. We didn't have a sign, and so we put orange cones, and you guys, some of you heard me say this, but what we do with our orange cones right now is legal, the way we do it now. What we did back then was legal-ish, Okay, we put him right out on the highway, right? And so there was this guy, Ray Tipton, and he was, at that time, what do you think, 100 years old? <laughs> An older guy, and he was about 80 pounds. Some of you know him. And he's like kind of bent over and all. That's the sweetest, best guy ever. Anyway, so every Sunday, I was the first one to church, except for Ray. Ray was always there before me, and do you know why? He was putting the cones out. He put those cones on the highway every Sunday morning. And so this particular Sunday, I've told this story so many times, uh, I remember the day because it was cold outside. And I was thinking to myself, I hope when I drive up, Ray's not out there. Because if he is, I got to roll down my window and say hi to him. And it's cold out there. But sure enough, you know, there's Ray putting out the stupid cones. And so he comes walking up to the car. Hey, pastor. He's carrying these cones and everything. He's got like the frozen snot sickle hanging down there. And <laughs> shivering old man, you know. And he's putting these cones out on the highway, and okay, hi, Ray, you know, everything's good, he puts the cones out, we have church, everything's going great. At that time, our church was, I don't even know, like 50 people, 100 people, not, not a whole, so if we had somebody new in church, I knew it, right? I would recognize if somebody was in church that wasn't normally there, and during church, I noticed this family that I'd never seen before, and here's what's weird, they weren't sitting with anybody. Usually somebody new comes to church, somebody brought them, right? Anyway, so these people are just sitting there and I kind of notice them. Okay, now church happens, blah, blah, blah. Church is over and now I'm out at the door. <laughs> we just had the one door about this wide so nobody could get out without talking to me. And so like I'm saying goodbye to people, blah, 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 as they're walking out. Well, this family comes up and I don't know them, right? I don't know them. So I said to the guy, hey man, I don't, I don't think I know you. And he goes, oh, it's our first time here. And I said, oh, man, this is great. This is a great day, man. It's your first time in church. That's, that's awesome. And he goes, oh, it really is a great day because I did that thing you said. I said, that thing I said. What did I say? What did I say? And he said, you know, you said that thing about, you know, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and becoming a Christian and being filled with his spirit and living forever and all that. I did that today. And I said, this is a good day. So I'm happy. And I said, man, this is like the best day ever. And he goes, oh, it's even better than that. This is my wife. Now, she used to be a Christian, but she got mad at God a long time ago and said she would never talk to him again. But today, she decided that she wants to be a Christian again, too. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is the best day. And he said, oh, it's better than that. These are my two teenagers. Both of them became Christians today. And I said, dude, this is the, like in the history of our church. This is the best thing that's ever happened. And I just have to know, how did you get here? You didn't come with somebody. Why are you, why are you here? 
I mean, had you like heard about how awesome I am <laughs> or what? And he said, no, it's the weirdest thing, man. We were just driving down the road and we saw those orange cones and we decided to pull in and see what was going on. Here's the moral of the story. Good thing we put out the cones. Right? Because it wouldn't have mattered how awesome my sermon was that day. Don't listen to Joy. It was awesome that day. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered how great our music was. It wouldn't have mattered if we had a better building. It wouldn't have mattered if we had a paved parking lot. Nothing we did that day would have mattered if Ray hadn't have done what probably most people thought was an insignificant thing what probably most people didn't even realize happened that day. Most people just thought the cones were just always out there, but Ray did that little bitty thing, that quiet little behind-the-scenes thing that nobody ever gave credit for, and those four people had their whole eternity changed. And so God does amazing things through humble, willing people and he has for 16 years and he's going to keep doing it and so my challenge I guess for you today is you got to figure out where you're supposed to fit into that and what you're supposed to do there's a million places to plug in here you can help in guest services you can help in kids ministry or lead a life group or help on the security team or you can put out cones you can usher you can pass out communion stuff teaching and mentoring and discipling. There's just a million places you have a part to play in this. Our sign out, we have a sign out in the lobby that says there's a place for you here. And you know that means, it doesn't just mean that you're welcome here. It, you are welcome here, but it also means there's a place for you to serve the kingdom here. There's a place for you to make a difference in the world here. There's a place for you to invest the gifts and talent and passion and experience and time and money that God has given you to further the work of Jesus to reach and teach and help people in Jesus' name. So if you need help getting connected to a place to serve, then get a connection card and write like, I wanna help, what should I do? And we will take it from there. We'll, we will help you get plugged in. But that's, that's your application from this weird message is you need to figure out what your part is in the body of Christ and start doing it. And then today there's something else you can do and that is just to celebrate with us. I mean, this is really something we should celebrate because, I mean, realistically, Jesus could have redeemed and rescued the whole world by himself. Yeah? You agree with that? Did he, did he need us? Do you see how silly it is for us to think Jesus needed us? And yet, for some reason, he, he chose to include us in the plan. For some reason, he's chosen to make us part of the rescue and redemption of the whole world. And I think it's amazing that Jesus chose to save the world through us. Not just us, the, the church, right? The, the, the worldwide church, but mostly this church. Here's what Jesus said. Right after that part about reaching, teaching, and helping, look what Jesus said. This is Matthew 9, 37. He said, the harvest is great. There's a lot of work to be done, man. There's a lot of work to be done, he said, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord that's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. And then he sent his disciples out to reach, teach, and help people in Jesus' name. And we're those disciples now. And we're those people that Jesus, we are the people that Jesus prayed for to continue his work. And it's a serious responsibility. And we should take it seriously and we should find our place and we should do everything that Jesus calls and empowers us to do. But we should also celebrate the calling 
I think, on this church and on each one of us who've been called. We've been invited, we've been chosen to continue the work of Jesus. We, we should celebrate that. Do you agree? Okay, so, you know, CBCB, right? We celebrate everything. So uh, I was thinking about how we could celebrate, and one thing we've always liked to do is give away tickets. So, Kimbo, do you have those the things? Do you, guys have a, do you guys get a ticket when you came in here? If you, if you have a ticket, hold it in your hand. We love giving stuff away. I was thinking about this today. It's gonna be so cool, like on our 50th anniversary, like the gold anniversary, can you imagine the stuff we'll be giving away, right? <laughs> gold watch, gold jewelry, gold bouillon, gold bars, gold car. But it's our 16th anniversary, so we're talking wax. Uh, so yeah, let's, you got your numbers? Here's your first gift. The bully, I've already got the gold bars in here. Though, wait. What we're going to have is wax lips. You guys remember these? You know what they are? You don't, you don't know what that is, Tristan? Okay, I'll show you. Check it out. It's candy. It's, it's like between candy and wax. And it tastes horrible. But you just, see it's, watch. It's wax lips. So, put that one back in there. Mix them all around. Okay. Okay, let's see who the lucky winner is. Well, let's look at the last three numbers on your ticket, okay? 388. Nobody wants it. Three, <laughs> three, eight, eight. Don't be that way. Come on. <laughs> Nobody. I'm going once. I'm telling you. I'll go to the next person. Okay. Four, four, two. Come on. Wait. There it is. There it is. Come on. Come up here. Congratulations. I'll take the ticket. Watch out for the wet one. There you go. See, wax. Listen, we're limited on what we can choose. Stick around. Silver is going to be awesome, man. Gold is going to be awesome. I got another one here. This is um, wax strips. This is hair removal for face and bikini. Okay, here we go, get ready, get ready. Anticipation, three, eight, four. Who's got it? Oh yeah. There you go, congratulations. And I would like to say, y'all can't see her, she does not have a lot of facial hair. That was just pure, Random. You want to do another one? Yeah. All right. Um, oh, because the color is emerald, right? And so I have here a real emerald ring. It's a real ring. The emerald's not real. Okay, here we go. Three, four, five. It's a real ring. Three, four, five. Here it comes, <laughs> Jim. 
There's a, oh, it's perfect for you. It's perfect for you. It's just your size and everything. It's like a pinky ring. There you go. Okay, that's a good one. See, you guys having fun? You can have fun in church, right? Okay. That's a tiny emerald in that ring, but check this one out. Can you imagine what an emerald this size is worth? I can't. Ooh. Praise Jesus. 265. 265. Here he comes. Yeah. Sit on the back row, but there's no hiding. Look at that. Can you guys see that? I mean, that is classy right there. There you go, sir. That'll make a great nose ring or something for you. Uh, okay. Here's another one. $100 gift card. It's a real one. That's a real one right there. Ready? 438. Margaret? Wow. <laughs> There it is. Congratulations. Um, okay, so that's silliness. Let me see. I think that's all of them. Um, so one thing we did decide to do, though, and I think you guys will like this, um, to celebrate our 16th anniversary, we said, what if we gave an extra $16,000 to our ministry partners? That's good, right? Yeah. But then we did the math, and I think we're going to give $25,000 to our ministry partners extra. So that's, or we can buy a whole lot of wax lips. So we're a democratic church. What do you guys think? Ministry partners? Wax lips? Okay. Talk to that kid that got them. He'll give you, he's got a specific one for you. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's pray quick. Uh, Jesus, wow, thanks for, man, 16 years for amazing ministry. And thank you for what you've done in us and what you've done through us. You've done so much more through the people of this church than any of us could have ever imagined. And so thank you for calling us and for empowering us and for believing in us and choosing us to be part of your redemption story for the world. And Jesus, we just pray that you will just continue to lead us. Well, we, don't know, we didn't know when we started what was gonna happen, and we don't know right now what's gonna happen, and we don't need to know because we know you. And so we just wanna follow you. So will you just lead us with clarity? Will you show us your vision for your church? And will you empower us to take whatever those steps look like to, to reach and teach and help people in your name? Thank you for being with us this whole time. Thank you for being with us in the future. In your name, amen. And amen, that's it. God bless you guys. Happy anniversary.